Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another edition of Bannering the Blue Shirts, the flagship edition. My name is Tom Richardson, your host, and as always, I'm joined by Mike Murphy. How's it going today, Mike? It's going good. A uh, little, little inside baseball. This is a weird weekday matinee recording of the show. Uh, we both just happen to be free, um, and so we're recording this at 2 p.m. on Monday, Tom. It's a uh, a little, little different for us, but uh, we got plenty to talk about, and I'm not sure we can say, as always, joined by Mike Murphy after my hiatus, but I've, this is my second show back, so I'm slowly earning that again. We could say, as usually joined by, but... Yeah, yeah. you know what, that's more accurate. But yeah, it's, uh, it's an interesting time. Um, the Rangers find themselves in sort of, um, it's a holding pattern again where they are on the outside looking in they had um, a interesting stretch of games I mean obviously you come off the high of Zibanejad's five goal game against the Capitals which we'll get into five. in a little bit Goals. yeah oh my and god it, yeah and then it, it almost feels like that game against New Jersey was a trap game um, on Saturday where Igor comes back against the Devils, but they lose 6-4. And since that point, teams that the Rangers needed to lose did not lose, and they are on the outside looking in. But the only difference now is ahead of them on the outside looking in also, the New York Islanders. Who would have thunk it? They're falling apart. How funny would it be? I mean, obviously, we all want the Rangers to make the playoffs, given how far they've come. But in the fact that they do miss, they miss by a same margin as the uh, the Islanders, who I think a lot of fans were sort of talking smack in the offseason. I mean, yeah, you guys got Panarin, but you're still going to miss the playoffs. But they may miss the playoffs, too. And uh what would you say their big move was? I mean, they went in at the deadline. They added Pajot and signed him long-term, which I don't know if I would have done that. I might have wanted to keep my money and capital for uh, the offseason, but um, mm-hmm. and that would be interesting. After, in the offseason, after they couldn't, after they kind of lost the Panarin sweepstakes, they doubled mm-hmm. down on Undersley. And like you said, the Pajot trade. So, yeah, yeah. Um, but to to touch on this quickly, Tom, past ten games, the Islanders are two five and three. You know what else is kind of interesting for this wild card race is one of the teams. The Isles have seventy nine points as of right now. So does Carolina, and Carolina is one of the currently the team with the second wild card spot in the East. But the Rangers made two significant, actually three significant trades with Carolina recently in the Adam Fox deal. And Joey Keane for Gautier, and then, of course, the Brady Shea deal. And, uh, like, those are three gigantic in-division trades, which I guess just goes to show that there's not a real rivalry of any kind between Carolina and the Rangers, despite the same division. But it is super interesting that, you know, it's, you know, no. it's funny, because actually I know Brady Shea's actually had a, a rough couple of games for, for Carolina recently, but... Um, it's really interesting watching this race develop and like Columbus stands out to me as this team they've had struggles recently but I don't know how the hell Columbus has done what it's done it's unbelievable with all their injuries and everything they lost 
Um, but it's it's a crazy time of the year, and the Rangers went from a five-goal capped off by an OT winner by Mika against the Capitals, which is an in-division game against, in my opinion, the best natural goal scorer of all time in Ovechkin. And then, you know, the Devils. <laughs> that yeah. happened. I mean, it's it's kind of what we sort of expected with this team. Um, we've been saying it all year that there are times where they look really, really good and they're carried by their top-end talent. And then there have been moments where they've looked like a team that's still rebuilding. And I think you take the good with the bad because ultimately... This team is playing some meaningful hockey in March, which is very good. It's sort of creating an environment where you have young kids who have this feeling of what it's like to win. I think that someone like Capo Caco is going to take what happened versus the uh, Capitals and how he picked up you know, a key assist on um, the one of Zibanejad's goals and even though he's had a sort of an up and down season, it's still this concept of being a part of a team in a playoff hunt. And that's something that is very valuable. The other thing I should mention was the, we also left out the Islanders did trade for Andy green from the devils and the devil's big, uh, big sell off. And then of course, I mean, this doesn't dismiss how bad the Rangers loss was to New Jersey, but the devil's Tom since, stripping down all their parts and everything they've been winning a lot of hockey games in fact they traded uh wayne simmons to buffalo to like do him a favor of maybe he can get to the playoffs and now i think the devils have more points in the standings than buffalo so that's awkward yeah and it is interesting and I, I don't have the stats in front of me but it was something to the effect of since Corey schneider had his um whatever you want to call it, stint in the AHL, he's looked a lot better than he was before. And, I mean, Mackenzie Blackwood has had a really good season for the Devils. Really good, yeah. Um, which, I guess, you know, obviously we want to talk about the Rangers, but it's all of these things that you consider within the division. It's why the Rangers have such an opportunity this offseason to – make decisions that will push the team forward. We've seen reports that the salary cap could be as high as $88 million, although I doubt it's going to be that high. Um, I would. We've seen it could be as low as around 84 but I'm still skeptical that the league is actually going to get to that point. I think it's going to be a little bit lower because, as always, they're factoring in oh is the nhlpa going to um you know kick in the escalator clause and that rarely happens because we all know how the players you know bitch and moan about escrow um yeah so yeah it's um i guess we can talk a little bit because i think we've been sort of um you know talking a little bit about the rangers but there's a lot of things uh towards the future of the rangers that um are worth considering. I think the best place to start would be um, Keandre Miller's NCAA season ended over the weekend, and now it's at a point where him and Cole Caulfield and a couple others are um, 
we're just waiting to see if they're going to turn pro. I'm interested in your thoughts, Mike. I know that you've touched on uh, Miller throughout you know, the year out with Rangers radar. What are your thoughts on what you think he will do or what he should do? It's a tough one for me. I like uh, just today, actually, uh, Hartford made a move where they signed um, you know, a Browns captain on an ATO um, defenseman who led the team in scoring. Um, you know, nothing, nothing that says he's going to stick around. Uh, Zach Guitari. I have no idea how to pronounce your name, Zach. I apologize, but um, and you know, when I was looking at what the wolf pack have looked like tom it's it's pretty rocky right now in hartford uh you know they're really slipping i think they have four goals in their last four games they've fallen down to third in the atlantic and it makes a lot of sense right you think about you know who was there at the start of the year versus who is there now losing you know someone who's having like an mvp caliber season in igor shesterkin you know, even uh, even Philip Heedle started the season there, and you know, Leas Anderson was there, and he's gone. And then, of course, the trade the Rangers made for j- trading with Joey Keane only subtracted from Hartford's roster to add something to the Rangers roster. Um, with all that being said, Keandre Miller is really interesting to me because of one, uh, he's still, you know, in the grand scheme of things, Tom, he's new to defense. You know what I mean? Compared to a lot of other guys who are 20. Um, and the other part is, you know, he got... I think fans were pretty unfair to be nervous about his production this year. Um, he, you know, he played 12 more games. Uh, oh, no, I'm sorry, 10 more games. Uh, had two more goals and just a, a bunch fewer assists. And that was surprising to me in that his, you know, his... You know, his assist total dropped frankly because he's seems like he has really good instincts with the puck um you know i know he's you know when he has been tracked a lot of his zone exit numbers and zone entry numbers have been really good which is super encouraging especially for a guy who has his toolkit but i wouldn't i don't know if i was rangers i wouldn't be in a rush to to get him a quick taste of the ahl unless they feel like it's definitely the right thing to do for uh, Keandre, and if they really have designs on him being on the roster next season. The big thing for me here is he is left-handed, and the Rangers just created a big hole on the left side with the Brady Shea trade, right? And, you know, you have Keandre Miller there, and it sure would be great if he can, you know, just kind of get ready to fit, step into that role in a year or two, or Maybe you split the difference. You call it a season and a half. But do you think he's he's there right now? Do you think he could just, you know, is that the right move to make for him to go straight to the AHL on, you know, let's say an ATO and and end up with a little bit of AHL experience to close out the year? Yeah, it's tough because I could see that he's someone that the Rangers are very interested in. And I think that they would prefer to have him turn pro. And even if he spends all of next year in Hartford, this way that he can develop at a a pace and not feel rushed. I think that 
people looked at the Brady Shea trade, among other things, in clearing up some cap space. It was clearing up a roster spot. And it would make sense, like, if you're trying to put two and two together, it's like, oh, that's a spot where Miller can eventually go. But I think they're going to try and take things slow in a sense that we've seen Igor starts off and obviously he's a unique case, but he excelled to the point where it wasn't even fair to keep him down there anymore. Cross off, they've had a bit of a slow burn with. You could even say the same with Rikoff. Um, so I would think that it would make sense, but ultimately it comes down to maybe Miller wants to take a little bit of time off before making a decision. Um, but I, I certainly could see that there's more reason for him to want to make the jump than go back for a junior season. Yeah, I I think that's the, the right move here. Um, I think given what the Rangers were able to do in the last offseason to bolster Hartford, I like the chances of them doing that again. Um, specifically, you know, uh, it's something we haven't touched on at all, but Bolesky's contract will be up. He actually, he's one of those guys, he has like 16 goals, six assists, Tom, or something like that. Um, so he's actually tied for a second on the team in goals behind uh, Letieri. But looking at, like, if right now, the the last couple games, this has been Hartford's defense. Mason Geertsen, Vincent Laverde, Brandon Crawley, Darren Radish, Nick Ebert, and Lieber Hayek. Uh, Rikov hasn't dressed in the last couple of games. I don't know if it's an injury or something else, but obviously not the most promising sign for another guy who is in that conversation for the left side. Um, and that is one of many reasons why I really hope we do see Keandre. I just, I just hope it's not he's thrown into a situation where he's kind of set up to fail on this Wolfpack team that is really slipping. Um, and like I said before, it's perfectly understandable that they're slipping. You know, they were gutted of all their talent. And I think Kravstov is currently on a, you know, something like a six or a nine game streak. I think it's just six games without scoring a point. And, you know, you just think about the guys who have skill in that team and, you know, and what what's there to work with, you know, with Joey Keane gone and, and everything else, it's... It'd be a tough situation to the point where you're like, all right, well, who would he play with? I mean, Joey Keane was playing with Mason Geertsen, who was with the Rangers on a on a tryout basis, if uh, if everyone remembers from the preseason and training camp. Uh, he did play in the AHL last season, though. So I want Keandre Miller um, sooner rather than later, but I'm not sure a couple games in the AHL is the priority here. I think maybe having him take a step back uh, rest and relax and, you know, all of that before just jumping into Hartford's scramble into trying to make noise in the postseason and also get to the postseason will be interesting. Yeah, and Miller's not the only person who could be joining the Wolfpack. Um, so before we started recording the show, uh, Frank Saravelli of TSN sent out a tweet saying, also hearing NYR are closing in on signing Patrick Kodorenko, another undrafted free agent center out of Michigan State. No shortage of interest in Kodorenko, who's 21 and scored consistently at NCAA level for Spartans. Um, I'm going to let you 
uptick over here because I think you tweeted out some interesting stats on uh, Kodorenko and why he's someone that could be of interest for the Rangers. Yeah, so Kodorenko is a center. Um, he's from Walnut Creek, California. Gotta love a guy from Walnut Creek. Um, but he was uh, in the U.S. national team program, U18 and U17. Um, and he also, you know, was a guy who has been on the radar. A lot of people thought teams would take a late, uh, take a flyer on him with a late pick in the last couple drafts, uh, just because his numbers have always been good. And, you know, in the NCAA, his numbers have been very good on a very mediocre to bad uh, Michigan State University uh, team, the Spartans. This In his senior season, Tom, he had 11 more points than the second highest score on uh, Michigan State, which was a D, actually. Nine of his 17 assists were primary, uh, and 23 of his 33 points were scored at evens. He was picked up points on f- about 41% of the Spartans' total offense, which goes to show you, like, oh, yeah, this guy is contributing directly to, you know, the limited success that his team had. It was a lot like looking... reminded me last year when I was looking at uh, a lot of the college free agents, and I was looking at uh, Tara Hiroshi's numbers, who signed with uh, Detroit, just like a guy who, you know, for whatever reason, in, in Hiroshi's case, it was because he was undersized, and, you know, in Kodorenko's case... You know, he's six foot, so average size, but it's he's just a guy who's just kind of slipped off the radar. And, you know, he proved yet again this season. This was his third consecutive 30-point season. You know, he led Michigan State in goals and assists. And whenever a guy does that, you tend to pay attention, right? Yeah, and he's an interesting name who I'm certain that we'll learn a little bit more about um, if and when the move is finalized. Uh, I think Adam's going to be putting up something on, on the banner, um, you know, so be sure to, to check that out there. When I'm looking at him, I'm almost thinking to myself, is this a situation where he's an option for Hartford next year um, and maybe someone who contends for a spot on the Rangers roster in the place of someone like Boo Nieves, who is going to be um, a UFA this summer because he didn't get enough games at the NHL level. He was in that situation last year with the Rangers, but they were able to um, come to terms like on a, on a new contract. But I think based on everything that's happened, it's, it seems like Nieves really isn't going to get that that long-term um, look with the Rangers. So I, I think you would agree that center is the most important position for the Rangers to stock up on going forward. We can recognize that they have a number one center, a real number one center in that, in uh, Mika Zibanejad. You have Heedle. Um, but after that, long-term, there's really not much there. And yeah, you have Strom for now, but he's someone who I don't know if he'll be back next year or I don't even know if he's someone who should be back next year. Um, but again, everyone likes to go, oh, don't make a big deal out of these these college signings or whatever. Or even in the past when the Rangers have signed players out of Europe. But it's really it's a lottery ticket. You scratch it off. Maybe it's a winner. Maybe it's not. Maybe only get two bucks, but it's two dollars. Yeah, it's money you didn't have before. The other thing I think is worth mentioning here, Tom, is 
you know, particularly at the center position in Hartford, like I mentioned, how Bolesky's contract is going to be up. But down the middle in Hartford, uh, guys who can or have played center before, you have Danny O'Regan, who's a pending UFA, Letary's a pending UFA, Stephen Fogarty's a pending UFA, and then you have guys like uh, Fontaine, who's an RFA, and who was it? There was one other. I was just like, I know that uh, Brian Gropp is a pending RFA. I wouldn't be surprised if that, that experiment's friendly. Oh, it was Boo. Boo was also an RFA. So, like, you know, many of those names I just mentioned have played a big role on this team. Um, and, you know, another guy who, like, looking back, remember last year the Rangers got, uh, you know, Jake Elmer and Patrick Newell as, you know, a couple of college free agents. And I was looking at Jake Elmer's primarily spent the season in Maine with the Mariners. Um, but even though, like, at the end of last year, I think he had, you know, like four points in four games or something on a really bad Wolfpack team, which was intriguing. But he's actually been up with uh, Hartford recently. And, you know, you you look to this as a free asset. I know some people will downplay this as, you know, what are the odds? But honestly, like, what are the odds of a guy who's drafted in the fourth round becoming something like the fact that Joey Keane became something is exceptional, which is why these stories about guys like Igor Shosturkin and Buchnevich and you know, what they've developed into are so great. But like looking back, you know, a name that I love to bring up and talk about because of the Rangers lack of uh, forward depth in the prospect pool is Laurie Pajaniemi, who was a fifth round pick in 2018 and you know a lot of people would say oh yeah you traded a fifth round pick you know at the deadline for a rental whatever and like you never know and that's the thing with Kodorenko I think the big strike against him Tom is foot speed he's not a guy who's particularly fast um and when you know you're kind of average sized at six foot there's you know I think concerns about like how his game would adjust but as a depth center and a guy who can maybe maybe work his way into a bottom six role if he can prove to be a scorer at this level it's why the hell not i i think it's it's always good to have more options because like you said someone like Pajunemi, you know mr golden helmet uh he could play a role for the team down the line and like the joey Keane trade um you could add someone to your system. They perform very, very well, and then it becomes an asset you use in a trade. So it's uh, can be easy to overlook things, but you never know what what can happen. Yeah, I'm actually really curious now to look at you know a site that I really love um, is both for men's hockey and women's hockey uh, for NCAA Division One is. HockeyEastOnline.com. If you go to that site and you look at their, like they just call it like an advanced stats tab, and they just have the full NCAA database. And one of the things that's so great about what they have for the men's side, Tom, is they, you can sort the, by NHL status if they're drafted, if they're eligible, or if they're a free agent. Um, and that to me is always really fun, <clears throat> specifically for researching guys who could become. Uh, you know, guys who end up being, you know, guys who can make that jump and something that jumps out. I, I know there's been a lot of talk about uh, Scott Peronovich, uh, who's a, a Blues draft pick, uh, defenseman, high-scoring defenseman from UMD. Um, but, you know, with 
with his scoring, um, you know, Kodorenko is among the top 50 in guys who, you know, were are free agents. And that also includes guys who were drafted but haven't yet signed. And top 50 might not sound impressive, but it's important to keep in mind he played for Michigan State. You know, he wasn't on, you know, he wasn't some high-scoring guy uh, playing for Boston College's second line or something. You know, this was a guy who was the main catalyst for his team's offense. So, very interesting, you know. I didn't expect us to go this deep in a Patrick Kodorenko, especially because it's not official yet, but I'm I'm all for it. Especially, it's organizationally, it's, it's a great position of need for the Rangers. Before we move on to something else, Tom, I just wanted to circle back to this just because it was, it's relevant and it happened recently, which was, obviously, Igor Shosturkin returned uh, from his injury, which was a broken rib from the car accident. And I think that, that was the first time he's ever been pulled in a game. He's ever been chased. Is that right? So it was actually he was pulled earlier this year against the Charlotte Checkers. It was a series of back-to-backs where he was pulled in the first game. And then in the second game, Huska was pulled and he came back in relief. So um, I'm not sure about KHL, but he was pulled in the AHL earlier this year. Um, and then this was the, his first time as an AHL player being pulled. Also, didn't he come out briefly for a concussion protocol thing with the Rangers? Yeah, uh, against Winnipeg. Um, I That's think it was right. like he was out for, I want to say, like the end of the first period, and then he came back for the second. Yeah, I, I think it's easy in terms of you know being revisionist, but I hate the fact that it felt like he came back too early and then he got shelled. It just does not sit well with me. Yeah, I mean, it's to me, I felt that, and I tweeted a little bit about this, the game against the Devils, it was the all the makings of being a trap game, coming off a really big win against Washington, playing while you know they're not going into the playoffs, uh, a Devils team that's been playing better as of late, and making that Igor's first start back, um, you never know how he was going to react, and it would have been better, in my opinion, just to have Hank start that game because even if they end up losing, it it's uh, giving Hank another game and then it's putting themselves in a position where they're going on the road, you can get Igor back in after one more practice, um, and then you're in a position for the second of the back-to-back, then you go to you know potentially Gorgiev. But we know that Igor is going to start against Dallas, and I'm very interested to see who's going to play the next night against Colorado. Yeah, because Hank has just not been getting ice time, and he's just been thrown to the wolves, and that's become, you know, what happens with Lundqvist has become this dominating storyline, to the point where it's an even bigger storyline than whether or not the Rangers make the playoffs this year. Just because it is, you know, it's Henrik Lundqvist, it's the face of the franchise. And, you know, it's it's crazy to me that the Rangers have been able to do what they've been able to do with uh, with Kreider's broken foot. And, you know, all it's 
I think the last two games really sum up what the season has felt like, right? Like the euphoria of beating the Capitals six to five in overtime, and just the display of what the future could look like with how brilliant because of Banajat was, and Panarin also had a, a monster game, and then just seemingly playing down your opponent and getting your asses handed to you by, you know, the New Jersey Devils, which is, you know, filled with AHL level players right now. So it's it's been a wacky roller coaster in in terms of what it's been like the last couple of games. But another bright spot, Tom, is Pavel Buchnevich. There's a new career high in points in a season. Yeah. He's uh, actually played very well this year. Uh, he picked up two assists in the uh, the game versus the Devils, and now he's at a career high of uh, 44 points. And uh, it's really good to see. He's someone that catches a lot of um, opinions from the fan base and pretty much the rest of the way he could not score a single point and he'd still have a career now I don't think that's going to happen um considering how well he's played in calendar year 2020 it's it's something to the effect of I think it was 23 points in 27 games which is very good um and Kevin's gonna have a little bit more on on Buchnevich on the banner this week I have a big story for the end of the year on Buchnevich um but yeah really really good to see yeah, it's great to see, especially because, you know, it. I think it helps offset some of the anxiety about Kako's rocky rookie season. The fact that Booch is really saying like, yeah, he is, you know, that, that fringe first line, second line scoring winger that you can trust. Um, especially, you know, when, when all things are working, you know, like they should be, uh, you know, with the Rangers lineup and without Kreider hobbling around in a boot or anything. And I'm really happy that Booch has been able to do this, uh, you know, with, he signed the bridge deal he signed. And, you know, I know, you know, this season has been, you know, another story of like, what, what are David Quinn's expectations for, for Booch and his goal scoring is down, but he's, making plays and the other thing that's important to me is that he's shooting a lot more um you know his goal scoring is down but he's taking a lot more shots than he was uh last season which is a big part of his success and um the other thing that stands out to me so much tom is his a lot of this bump in his scoring is at even strength in five on five which is even more encouraging, right? It's, it would be one thing if he was just picking up a lot of secondary assists on the power play or something like that, but he's had a huge hand in the Rangers' offense lately. I think, actually, since the All-Star break, I had this note in Rangers' radar, that which is going up when this podcast will go up, that since the All-Star break, he has a better points per 60 at 5-on-5 five five than Panarin, which is just bananas to me. Um... You know, Panarin has, still has more points. He gets more ice time. But um, it's been fun watching Booch kind of hit his stride in amidst all this craziness. And, you know, he's still... I still think he's just... For whatever reason, he's subject to, you know, landing in the crosshairs of David Quinn because he is a scoring winger who's best known for for his creativity and making 
you know, generating those high danger scoring chances. And so when he makes a mistake, it, it stands out a little bit more, right? It's like that, you know, the puck moving defensemen have more turnovers than everyone else. Why? Well, they're the ones moving the puck, right? Um, much like, you know, turnovers with, I'm sure guys like McDavid are through the roof. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm super happy with Butch's season. I'm, I'm a lot more happy with Mika Zibanejad's season. I think he has 20, 21 goals in the last 20 games, Tom. 20 goals? That's in... I can't even believe that. Like, I think about players who wish they had 20 goals all season. Do you think he hits 50? I mean... There's such I, a clock and he missed time, right? Mm-hmm. But he needs 11 more, Tom. Is 11 more doable? Asterisk, he did just score five in a game. <laughs> yeah. Um, right? Like, that's the fun little wrinkle of this. 11 would be really hard. However, he did just score five in a freaking game. Yeah, I think he would need... He would need to have, like, three more big games to sort of give him some wiggle room. But I don't know. 50, 50 would be tough. 45 would be great. That would be um that would be a step up. Well 40 like even the fact that he has what is it now he's at 39 is is already yeah. nine better than he had last season in 82 games. And the thing oh, that yeah. is the most fun to me about that stat is heading into the season I remember I wrote something for Sporting News that you know like there are a lot of reasons to be excited about the Artemi Panarin signing, and one of which is what it will mean for Mika Zibanejad's season. But the thing is, he Zibanejad hasn't played with Booch all that much. I mean, uh, with with Mika Zibanejad that much. It's Panarin and Mika. I, I mean, I think I've messed that up twice. Like this has just been Mika Zibanejad largely just doing his thing, and of course, you know, the fact that he has 15 power play goals doesn't hurt. And obviously, uh, Panarin's been a big part of that production specifically, but he's getting more ice time. He's scoring a crap ton of goals, and uh, it's been such a fun, wild ride for, for Mika, which is great because, you know, thinking back on how positive it felt that the Rangers made the deal they did with Ottawa, uh, moving Derek Broussard, and then, you know, the remember that horrific injury he had with his leg when the way it went into the boards and you know you oh saw yeah this, you saw this potential in the contract he signed was so great and it's like oh no no we might have something special here and then he played 82 games last season 30 goals 74 points and like last season it was evident that he was a first line center comes in this season still not given the respect and treated like a first line center and then what do you know 39 goals in 55 games, Tom. Yeah, it's incredible. Um, I think last year it was sort of like, okay, he's all right. I mean, <laughs> it's it's that was what the perception was. It's like, I mean, technically there's, you know, 31 number one centers. Um, and he's one of the better ones. But is he like a top 15? Is he a top 10? Eh, but this year, I would say, hands down, he's top 10, at least. So even if, Tom, even if he gets 45 goals, right, there's only eight times 
a guy has scored 45 goals in a season for the Rangers, and this team predates the Great Depression. So, oh wow, it's it's Mike Gartner, Jean Rattel, Messier, Pierre Larouche, Gartner again, Vic Hadfield, Gravy, and then Yogs, of course, with 54, and Graves with 52 in an 84 game season in 93 94, and then Vic Hadfield had 50 goals in one of just a handful. I think it's only 300 point seasons. Oh no, I'm sorry, it's many more. It's uh, six 100 point seasons. I, was, I always forget that. You know, I always get mixed up with what happened in the 70s with the Rangers when they had a good, an amazing little duo um, of Hatfield and Rattel, because I wasn't alive then, Tom, and neither were you. No, I was not. But Panarin Um, is seven points away from being, you know, the seventh time in Rangers history we've had a 100-point season, which is another just crazy... When you when you think about all these numbers and like Shesterkin nine thirty five save percentage, and like we haven't even seen the best of Capo Caco, you think of all this. Oh yeah. Like, like man, it's gonna be fun really soon. Like it's like we have some remnants of headaches right now, and I think you know it's gonna be brutal whatever does happen with Hank. Like whether or not he's just stuck on the bench and what a sad way that would be for his career to end, or you know whatever happens in regards to the next step for him but like two years from now I think we'll be in the full swing of holy crap this team is fun and we might even be there next year it depends very much on you know how this team develops and the decisions they make with guys like Strom and D'Angelo and finding you know if they want to find a spot in the lineup for you know Keandre Miller or, or Nils Lundqvist and which is going to be super tricky because of the D'Angelo situation and the, he's a pending RFA and you have Adam Fox who you want here forever and you have Jacob Trupa who will be here forever. It's, um, there's a lot to like about this team and I think that, like we sort of said earlier in the show, that in many ways it's just a glimpse of what's yet to come. Um, and before we, um, we go any further, we can uh, take a nice little ad break. just like that we're back magic podcast magic tom the rangers reportedly extended jeff gordon and chris drury i did see that i wonder for how long though yeah we never really get those the numbers specifically for for gms and front office stuff in fact like shane and i and i know cap cap friendly also has this for coaches specifically like looking at you know contract terms for coaches and even in some cases salary but you just don't get it for for gms for the most part and there are some organizations the rangers being one of them you know you know i know how long it took for the rangers to you know to start even talking about the amount of money they gave you know right 
their players in, in social media posts and things like that. Whereas, you know, like teams like Carolina would say like, we're giving this guy this much, this is his cap hit. Um, you know, because they figured that's what fans wanted. So, um, it's, it makes a lot of sense to me. It is super inter- interesting to me in regards to Drury, just because I know he's been something of a commodity. He's been in a little bit of demand lately. I know he was in discussion for the Philly role. Um, and, you know, I know he's a guy who, you know, it's the little network of USA hockey coaches and general managers. They tend to get opportunities and work their way up the, the ladder. And I think Chris Drury is someone who has been, you know, the Rangers we know have gotten calls about from teams wanting to have Drury interview there. Um, so that to me is the most interesting part of this. It does not surprise me at all that uh, Jeff Gordon got an extension. What I find interesting, um, I would think that Chris Drury would have been a leading candidate for the Buffalo job if uh, Botterill gets fired at the end of the year. Yeah. Um, I think that they're definitely going to look to make some moves just based on the, the horrible season that they've had from, you know, even it's the on ice play, it's the off ice stuff with like, this is their 50th anniversary season and the fan base has been very vocal of how they felt like deprived. Um, like there's stuff that's not like Botterill's fault specifically. Like there was a deadline to submit in order to, wear throwback jerseys and they missed that they also had some alumni players honored and they had fake jerseys with misspellings so i think that like every time something happens there's someone who you offer up as a sacrifice and botterill seems to be the guy who would fit the bill um which i think people were were like talking about oh you know they were well, they were teammates and they were you know co-captains why don't the sabers go out and get uh chris jury and daniel briere but that's not gonna happen now no no it's not um and you know like jury in in buffalo would be such a good fit just because of you know he was like a folk hero when he was with the sabers uh back in the days of danny briere and chris jury as the co-captains in buffalo um, but, you know, like looking at, you know, it's this is now four years and eight months uh, of Jeff Gorton as, you know, the Rangers GM. He's made 39 trades in that time, Tom, because Cap Friendly does have a section on general managers. It just spe- specifically has, you know, their contract value, which is also super interesting because you can look at the fact that uh, <laughs> Jeff Gorton has in four years, eight months and eight days, he has... Total contract value of all of his players is $561 million. Um, So it's an important job, Tom, to be a general manager because in four years and eight months, he's managed over half a billion dollars in terms of contracts for players. Um, Yeah, that's a lot of money. (laughs) Yeah. Um, One more thing that I wanted to talk about um, and, and obviously if there's anything else that you want to talk about, you can feel free sure. to, to bring it up. Um, it's sort of a topic that was, it sort of came to, I would say it's come to a head as of late, just based on like a, um, a string of bad play and that's Mark Stahl. And I think 
it's more prevalent because of he's getting a little bit more opportunity um, now that Brady Shea has been traded. And it's interesting to me, I was looking at um, basically stats when the Rangers are either tied or they're ahead and basically like, you know, Corsi for a percentage and all of that stuff and how, you know, stalls not generally be good in that regard. But I guess the bigger question is obviously for the rest of the season, the Rangers don't have any more options, but we've talked a lot about how this could be Hank's last year, but could this be stalls last year with the Rangers? I mean, could they theoretically see how they're looking to make a push next year and he's sort of a, a negative that holds them back? That is, well, I think we're already seeing just the fact that he was a healthy scratch numerous times this season, I think gives you, it gives you a sense that it was more than maybe just David Quinn trying to make sure he keeps a level playing field in terms of accountability with his players. I think it was more of a kind of stepping, like phasing out Mark Stahl. The big point I want to raise to that question, Tom, is the fact that the Rangers moved Brady Shea makes that left side so interesting. Um, you know, like the Rangers have moved Brendan Smith back to defense, uh, fourth line winger Brendan Smith now back on defense, and it's it's now it's you know it's Lindgren, Mark Stahl, and and Brendan Smith on the left side, and it goes without saying that you know two of those guys are just not in the team's plans um, two years from now with, you know, with Stahl and Smith um, when both of their contracts are up. But it's it's really, it's a lot to think about the post-Stahl Rangers. You know, he has the no movement clause. Uh, so what does, what does moving on from Mark Stahl mean? Does it mean, uh, you know, a buyout? Does it mean, you know, mutually agreeing to you know, some something else or talking to him about if he would be open to going somewhere, I don't think it's very likely. Um, I know, especially with, I think, with JD at the helm, I think it's, I think it'd be tough because Stahl is also viewed in many ways as like, you know, a good warrior, not a guy you want to get rid of. Um, it's It fascinates me that he is that veteran presence on the left side that it's clear the coaching staff understands that it can't really trust him, right? Um, and he's 33. Uh, you know, he's the oldest skater on the team by a really wide margin. I think Smith is this. Is Smith the second oldest? This team is so damn young, I can't even keep track anymore in terms of skaters. Um, Greg McKegg is old, I think. I don't, I don't know if he's 30 yet, but... Um, it's the post all Rangers is how do we get there other than waiting two years but I wouldn't be surprised if next season especially if enough of the kids are ready and if there's some solution you know in, with in terms of Rikov or you know or Hayek or Keandre Miller etc etc if the Rangers can say alright Stahl's in the lineup but he's playing half the time he's the 7th D I think that's more likely than 
a separation, you know, like a clean break from Mark Stahl. So the one thing I'm going to say just regarding Stahl, and I don't want to like go back to beating a dead horse, um, read the Kevin Shattenkirk buyout, but I feel, and maybe the Rangers felt differently, but who knows? Um, the major reason why they bought out Shattenkirk versus Stahl was because they were so close to the cap and they needed to be able to enter this season. So that money made a difference in being able to fit D'Angelo, fit Lemieux, and still fit someone like Ryan Strom, who I think they tried to move, but there was no interest in. So if the Rangers were to sell high on Ryan Strom this offseason based on the the season that he had and how they could trade his rights to a team that they could um, be in a position where, hey, we're someone we like you for a long-term deal, which is something that I think he wants, that would salvage the, the Shattenkirk buyout. That aside, I still think that you want to move on from Stahl because you don't want a position where you have kids struggle and then the coaching staff is going to go back to their crutch that they know and, okay, we're just going to give more minutes to Stahl or we're going to, um, you know, bench this guy. And I think just in moving him from the environment completely will help this team um, leaps and bounds. Yeah, it's going to be... If they do find a way to do it, Tom, I think it's that addition by subtraction thing. And, you know, even if the kids do struggle, you know, even if they're newborn giraffes out there with wobbly legs and making mistakes and stuff, it's, I think there's enough strength on the right side to help balance that. And I think that is one of the, uh, honestly, I think that's one of the reasons why Lindgren has looked as good as he has at times this season. And, you know, I'm, I'm all for kind of, Except, like we talk a lot about accelerating this rebuild or build, um, you know, with the moves the Rangers made uh, specifically in the last offseason, you know, with with Truba and Panarin and Adam Fox. But another way to get there is is to do some of the dirty work that's left to do, um, and with the roster and the top of the list right now is Mark Stahl. I mean, even more so than than Henrik Lundqvist, which is a lot more complicated situation. But it it is, like, on the bright side, it's a problem that will solve itself in two years' time, but it wouldn't it be nice if it was sooner? <laughs> yeah, it would be. It would yeah. be nice if it was a lot sooner. Um, but in sort of an extension of how the salary cap numbers are going to be for this upcoming season, it's very important that the Rangers don't um, put them put themselves in a corner, keep their options wide open, because if this team takes the steps we think it will next year, and even a bigger step, sort of like this year, they might be in a position where they want to add to their roster, and that's why they might have to make some tough decisions and finding a place for... Mark Stahl off the roster is one that I think uh, should be an important one. Before I go to the patrons, Mike, did you have anything else you wanted to add? No. Um, other than Mika's advantage, Ad is really good at hockey, and it's a delight to watch. And I'm also definitely curious about what else happens with this college free agent class. And 
Um, you know, it's, it was also an interesting week for a lot of the Rangers' prospects. Uh, the most the upcoming uh, Rangers radar is mentions that uh, Leah Anderson has 11 points in 13 games in the SHL Tom, which is very nice to see, especially because he's getting like 15 and a half minutes a game. So you and I said this, you know, many, many, many weeks ago that you know whatever happens with Leas, we hope it's for the best uh, for him and his career and you know his personal life as well. And uh, it just makes me happy to see that he's you know putting pucks in the net and creating offense for his uh, first team there in HV seventy one. It's very good to see, and I'm interested now. Is this something that? Juice D comes back. Is he stay in Sweden more? Um, but it's definitely good to see him having some success and enjoying hockey again, which is uh, something that he wasn't doing much in Hartford. And I wonder if we will eventually ever learn more of you know what went on there. But um, as always, thank you to all of our patrons who support the show and leave five-star reviews on iTunes and send in bannering points. Um, it, we really do appreciate all of your support. It does mean a lot to Mike and me. Um, Adam Nahoek in Gaspar, Emeril Kistner, Andre Shikagov, Andy White, Anthony Viola, Arch Williams, Beezer, Ben Pierney, Bjarner Osterheim, Bobby Kawa, Bobby Callahan, Captain America, Chris Abibi, Chris Lucas, Chris, Marco Trigiano, Clark Carroll, Craig Lachlan, Daniel Dezen, David L. Singer, Eric Cohn, Eric Carlson, Fancy Lawrence, Frank Menino, George Lippman, Goth Tom 2020, not happening, Igor Zavlovsky, James Dangles, James Shepard, that's a new one, that was uh, Alex Alden last week, Daryl Powell the week before, so... I like that this patron is being creative. Um, Jimmy Bussell, Jeff Owen, Jermaine Francis, John Prezipelski, John Reppy, Jordan Sassone, Justin Walsh, Keith Franchillo, Kevin Mead, Kush Tastic, Kyle Napolitano, Matt Bader, Matthias Olson, Michael Alsante, Michael Kanick, Michael Marcus, Michael Silvers, Nikolai Hoffman, Panarin2020, Patrick Landolt, Perennial Powerhouse, Russ Vent, Sammy Vogel Seidenberg, Sean, Stieg Bialbeck, Stink Fleeman, Tall Guy Rob, The Ninja's Ninja, The Tin Man, Tori from Manhattan, and Trevor Kempner. Thank you very much to um, all of these uh, lovely patrons. And you too can uh, become one of our patrons. Uh, Mike will send you um, some nice stickers. And if you're a patron long enough, a nice coffee mug and uh, very nice things that Mike nice, will nice send things. to you. I'll even lick the stamp probably. Although that, you know what, I'm, I can't even remember the last time I licked a stamp. Just you just get sticker stamps nowadays. Back in my day, Tom, we had to lick a stamp. Yeah, the envelopes too. Now they just have those like tabs that you pull off. It means there's a whole generation that won't know the taste of stamp and envelope glue. Yeah, that's uh... the times they are changing. Also, uh, just to close out the show, we want to make sure. Uh, encourage everyone to take, you know, practice common sense, wash your hands, be super careful. I know coronavirus has gotten to the stage where it's a serious concern in the city. Um, and of course, you know, the tri-state area and the major metropolitan area that so many of us live in. Just be safe. Uh, you know, if you can't avoid crowds, 
you should probably do so and look after yourselves and try not to touch things on the subway in Amtrak and all of that stuff. That's good advice, Mike. Yeah, but common sense, wash your hands, um, you know, cough in your elbow, um, all, all the things that you would generally do during rampant cold and flu season. Just take extra caution um, and, uh, you know, stay safe out there. And uh, thanks for listening, and we will uh, talk to you again next week. Take care. Bye-bye.